What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are back with more. We're coming back in the new year as well. We've got a few other December interviews that we recorded, some big ones coming up, so be sure to keep it locked here on Diabetics Doing Things. Today's interview is extremely, extremely fun. Uh, Kelly Reardon joins the show, and she is a TV meteorologist and type 1 diabetic. She lives in Massachusetts, and you can follow her on her Instagram, Kelly R. Weather. She does some amazing reels about working uh, on TV as a person with diabetes, so some awesome diabetes content, and just some funny behind-the-scenes news content as well. She's one of my favorite new Instagram friends in 2021, so I'm really excited to have her on the show. We talk a lot about her diagnosis. We talk about diabetes camp. She was diagnosed as an adult, so kind of missing out on some of that diabetes camp experience. We talk about glucagon. We talk about Medtronic technology that Kelly wears, and we also talk about mental health, and Kelly opens up at about the 40-minute mark of this interview. An awesome, awesome, very open conversation about diabetes and mental health. So Highly recommend uh, that you stick around for that portion of the interview. If you want to follow her, check her out on Instagram at Kelly R. Weather. And with that, I will leave it up to the crew, me, Eritrea, and Kelly for Kelly Reardon's Diabetics Doing Things interview. Diabetics Doing TV Meteorology. What's up? What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We're telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world. Very special guest today. If you're if you're in the Northeast, you might see her more more than we do. But her name is Kelly Reardon, and she is a weather woman. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So excited to have you here. Uh, I followed you on social a few months ago, and I just, I love your content. It's very funny, and also you are a uh, you do fashion content and like outfit of the day content. So like for you, me, and Eritrea, this is like this is fam now. You diabetes yeah. plus daily fashion content. We love it. Silent diabetes. Silent. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's let's just get to know you. Like, tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then we can kind of start with diabetes from your diagnosis uh, story. But like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So uh, if you don't follow me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, I really keep for work. So it's all really boring other stuff. But um, Instagram, like uh, I'm a meteorologist for a station, TV station in Western Massachusetts. Uh, I never planned on getting in TV. Uh, when I was studying meteorology in college, I like would rather die than be on camera. And I always wanted to be behind camera. Um, and then, you know, graduation time's coming and I only had one job offer and I was like, okay, well, I got, <laughs> got student loans, I got to take it. And it was actually for like a digital meteorology job at a news uh, website in Ohio, which is basically just the same thing, but you're just like writing stories and doing cool stuff. And then I started doing these really what I think were corny and awful YouTube videos. You can find them pretty easily if you just type in my name on YouTube. So if you want a good laugh, you can look at that. Um, but I just started talking about weekend weather and not like two weeks after I started doing that, I had a station in Massachusetts contact me and they were like, hey, well, have you ever thought about going on TV? And the main reason I did it is because uh, that happened to be the town that I was born in. All my family was living there. My grandparents, like wow. everyone was living there. It was a super weird coincidence. I'm like, okay, like, well, that's not like a sign for something cool. I got to take it, even if I was planning on doing this. So it was a rough start. It wasn't great. When I first started, it was, uh, you know, there was a learning curve. Vibrating here. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so I've been back home. I'm near my family and now I do TV. And um, I know that like being type one and, 
you know, being on TV, I really want to talk about it. And, you know, it's very misunderstood disease. So yeah, um, I did the JDRF one walk like two years ago. I think last year was canceled because, you know, everything was canceled, but um, that was really fun because there's a lot of young type ones who watched me on TV that I wasn't aware of that came up to me and talked about it. So I mean, like, let's talk, let's like, just start there. Like what that, what's that like to obviously like people in your area, like they see you a lot. So, uh, and like, I, I don't know how you've discussed or, yeah, you know, obviously like you probably talked a little bit about having diabetes on air potentially. Right. So on the air, I don't really have much time to talk about it. It's definitely an off air type of thing. But, um, the first time this is back when I was on freestyle Lib- Libre, like, uh, two years ago, maybe three years ago now. Um, the first day I wore it like on the air visible, it was like a really hot day. So I was wearing like a sleeveless dress and you could just see this little white dot. And I took a photo of it or the screenshot of me on TV. And I just like posted on Facebook and Twitter was just like, Hey, if you guys were watching today and you wondered what this was, you know, I'm type one, this thing is a continuous glucose monitor makes my life so much easier. I don't have to prick my fingers and it's really great. And the photo like went viral and it got like thousands of likes and retweets and my boss somehow picked up on it. And he was like, people think you're great. And I was like, I wasn't expecting that of a response, but I was like, okay, like people dig this, I guess it's okay. Um, so yeah, occasionally now that it's like a cold season, you probably won't see my sister that much because I'm gonna be like dressed warm. <laughs> but um, yeah, like anytime I have Vism on TV, I at least get like one or two messages of people being like, Hey, that's so cool. And they take a photo of their own and they like send it to me. So that's really fun. They feel seen. You help people feel seen by them. Yeah. It's awesome to see like yourself on TV. It's like, Oh, there's someone I can relate to is doing something really cool. Right. Right. And like, you're just, you're just being you, you know, you don't, you're, you're doing, doing your job, like doing like it's making it seem normal. Like there's nothing different about you except for, you know, seeing a sensor uh, occasionally. And sometimes you don't even do that. So it's like, wow, like this person, like I can connect with them in a different way I think it just opens up opportunities for people to like see themselves in positions that maybe they hadn't before yeah I think it's cool because like I do it on tv without making like a big fuss about it so people realize like this is nothing you know out of the norm this is totally a normal thing like it should be completely normalized hopefully one day stuff like that like won't even phase people you know like hey there are tons of medical devices out there you know not just diabetes stuff um, so trying to normalize it, you know, make it seem like it's a daily thing. Like, Oh, there's Kelly's, you know, CGM. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it, it's, it's just, I, I think again, like normalizing it and seeing like, I, th- I think so often we're, there's like two sides of the narrative, right? There's this, like people think that it's this super debilitating, like, and, and it is a disability and it is debilitating and it is a, it is a burden. Right. Um, but like, there's this very kind of negative approach. And then there's also like the hyper positive, like very overachiever style. And I think I'm, I'm very guilty of, of seeing myself in that way as well. And, and thinking <laughs> of, seeing myself as like, oh, well, I'm not Sebastian Sasseville riding my bike across Canada. So, you know, I must not be like doing yeah. enough, you know? Right. Um, but it's such a nice balance to be able to see somebody who's like, wow, like, yeah, like there's a little girl watching TV somewhere or uh, girls and guys like watching TV and saying, oh, well, this, I could see myself doing this, like even with my diabetes. And so, I, I don't know, it's such a cool, like simple, but really impactful thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize how impactful it would be until again, I posted that photo and I got, uh, there was a lot of, uh, T1D parents that reached out to me and they were like, this is so cool. Like, you know, I'm new to this. I wasn't sure if my child was ever going to be limited in anything they wanted to do, but like, Hey, if you can do live television, <laughs> what else you can do anything, you know? So, um, that was really nice too. Not even just the type one diabetics reaching out, but the parents, like, somewhat feeling relieved that you can just you know you can do whatever you want and big shout out to all the t1d parents that listen to our show uh and have listened to our show over the years you guys are awesome uh and yeah it's just so great to have like the sort of support system around and like the care team like it just it takes many it takes many forms so big shout out to everybody who's acting or uh, acting like or thinking like or being a pancreas for somebody else uh out there uh you're, you're doing great work yeah. uh, so let's talk a little bit about your diagnosis story because i know like many uh, guests on our show you had a little bit of a misdiagnosis experience uh up front yeah so that was probably just because of my age um you know i was 17 i just turned 18 actually um, and I was in college and this was in Florida and I'm from New England. Um, so my symptoms, my cat's doing some bad things over there. <laughs> um, so a lot of my symptoms I chalked up to being a freshman in college, like, oh, I'm thirsty all the time. Well, I'm sweating a lot. You know, I'm from New England. I'm not used to the heat. That's normal. I'm just drinking a lot. I'm tired all the time. What college freshman is not tired all the time? You know, I'm, I'm eating a lot, but I always have eaten a lot. I'm a hungry gal. So like, you know, everything had an excuse for what it seemed like. Um, and I actually went into the nurse for a kidney infection. I woke up and I was like bending over in pain. My back hurt really, really bad. And that's how I ended up being diagnosed. But what's funny is two weeks before that, I woke up not completely blind, but like everything had a complete blur, um, what looked like a blurry filter over it. Like if my mom was two feet away from me, I'd barely be able to tell it was her. I immediately went to an eye doctor and they like gave me glasses and told me I was stressed. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. So that was pretty amazing. Yeah. So the nurse diagnosed me, but she, you know, just looking at my age, um, she's like, oh, like you're probably type two, but you know, maybe you should go to the hospital in a few days to get diagnosed. I probably should have been, you know, rushed to the emergency, like right then and there. Instead, I was put on metformin, which probably like made it so I could survive another, you know, day or so. Um, and then I went to an endocrinologist and she's like, oh yeah, you're type one. And then like, this was two months into college, by the way. So I like, oh my gosh, halfway across the country, like I barely knew my roommate, like didn't have any friends. Like I called my mom, just like bawling my eyes out, like I don't know what happened. I, I thought I gave myself diabetes and I didn't know anything about it at first. And I was like, this is awful. My whole family came down. It was like this, this whole thing. And then we had Thanksgiving. We ate nothing but like turkey and green beans because I didn't know we could eat anything other than that when I first started. But um, yeah, it was tough. I, I took a break from school for a little bit, but it's my freshman year. If I took more than two weeks off, like I would have never caught up. So I took like a week off of school just to like get my mental state ready. When I got back, I explained to my teachers like, Hey, this crazy thing just happened to me. I don't really know much about it. So if you ever see me like dipping in and out of class or like beeping or whatever, like just know this is a medical thing. I'm not like playing on my cell phone or something, but it was hard because being a freshman, halfway across the country alone is already extremely hard and extremely stressful. And then to have that on top of that, I was just like, 
it was a very tough time. For yeah, sure. I was going to say that's like a lot of change all at once. And it's such an important time of your life, like just to leave your house. Yeah. Go anywhere is a huge step, let alone a thousand miles away, let alone add a, you know, just meeting new friends, learning new responsibilities, like getting comfortable with a new schedule and like making, you know, really being like on your own for the first time. At least that was like my experience, like yeah. being, you know, there was nobody to wake you up or like if you overslept, like no, you know, nobody yelled up, yelled up for you to come down, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then on top of that, like right away getting thrown into, you know, managing your chronic yeah. condition. Yeah. It was tough because like college is supposed to be starting college is supposed to be such an exciting experience and you're supposed to be so happy. And I just like, if I'm being completely honest, it like, it kind of ruined it for me. I obviously got, you know, much better. I, yeah. Like I, once I got it down, like the rest of college was amazing, but like, it was a bummer, like not being able to be super excited right when I first started college because I wasn't focused on going to uh, parties and, you know, meeting people and meet, hanging out with people on campus. I was busy, like finishing my homework and then trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this new disease that I have. So, it yeah, was- I mean, and like- I have to- sorry. No, no, no. I was just I- thinking about like how hard it is to be a girl and moving away, like, because you're probably used to like, your mom making your appointments and things like yeah. that. And now you have to fully advocate for yourself. Like when you're talking about talking about your talking to your professors and letting them know like, Hey, all this information that can be really hard for a person who just got diagnosed. Cause you might be want to be shy about it or maybe yeah. keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if jumping right in and advocating for yourself right away, if that maybe made a difference for you in the long run, because then you learned how to do that in other spaces and took it with you further. So that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was tough. Um, but I got through it. What's funny is one of my professors, I'll never forget this was this super, super strict. I'm, I'm sure you've all had one that's really, really strict and like scary. And he was German. So that made it even scarier. You know what I mean? Like he was a scary sounding guy. Um, but he was like, if I ever see a cell phone or hear a cell phone, I am going to fill you out of this class. So I, when I was diagnosed, I went up to him after class. He was like, he was old. He was in his seventies. And I was like, you see this thing right here? I swear this is not a cell phone. And if it beeps, I swear I'm not doing something wrong. Please don't fail me because I'm just trying to live. And, and he like giggled and was like, it's totally okay. I appreciate you telling me and everything, but like, yeah. So that was funny. And that was one of the reasons why I told my other professors, I'm like, geez, if he thinks this, like, what are my other professors thinking? Especially if you're taking a test or something, like, I don't want them to think I'm cheating, you know, or yeah. doing anything bad. So what a couple of things like before, cause I, I want to hold, I want to put a pin in that real quick because I think it's, it's important. And I, I've shared it a little bit on the pod before, but I want to dig into it a little bit more about talking in class about diabetes and like advocating for yourself, but um, also like the symptoms so you were talking about, I think there's a couple different times in life where fatigue, frequent urination, weight loss, uh, you know, dehydration, those seem like really normal things. And I think being a freshman in college is definitely one of them. Like, like you yeah. said, new climate, new environment, new schedule, mm-hmm. like new responsibilities, all of those things like individually don't seem very like crazy. The other right. side is like, if you're on like, uh, Oren Lieberman, who is also a journalist for CNN, um, he went, he and his wife were on vacation. They were like hiking through the mountains and he was like, well, I'm losing weight. I'm tired and I'm thirsty. Like all those things are symptoms of hiking. And so, you know, as we get into like it's national diabetes awareness month uh, in November, awareness of symptoms, like they seem on their own, really simple. 
like a little bit of weight loss, a little bit of dehydration, a little yeah. bit of fatigue, like, you know, not feeling great. Uh, and you know, some, some issues with your eyes, but like you said, you know, it wasn't consistent, it's just kind of one-off stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just really important to talk about like that. These symptoms are clearly symptoms of diabetes. Everybody who shared their story on the show has mentioned that they had the symptoms and still, we find ourselves like dealing with doctors and clinicians and nurses who say, well, it's probably nothing. It's probably just X, Y, Z. And so yeah. again, like it, it's just, uh, as we share and talk about the warning signs and talk about diabetes awareness, like the warning signs are a huge, huge part of that. Um, right. It's funny. But- you're talking about the symptoms just while we put talking about them, just the last thing we'll say about them is the way I remember them is it's the three polys. So it's polyuria, polyphagia, and polydipsia. And those are the three big indicators of type 1 diabetes. Told to you guys by a kid who went to diabetes camp for like 13 years with med I, students. I like you, your, your science level. You just like totally got my, you're like, you're yeah. way up here. <laughs> but that's how I remember it. That's just how I remember it. Because it's like you eat a lot, you pee a lot, and you're drinking a ton of water. So yeah, it's crazy that even the med students know, like those are the big three in diabetes, but still we're out here missing the mark all the time. So I feel like that's especially true for older people. You know, there are a lot of people who look out for that in kids and who know about it, but it's like, if you're in your, like, I know people have been diagnosed in their twenties and, and you know, the doctor's like, there's no way what's that. I even started having symptoms my senior year in high school. Never once did my doctor check my glucose. So like Not thinking once. back, you're like, Oh, something was already going on before oh, yeah. I went to college. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was, it was a while. She thinks I went undiagnosed for probably like almost two years. Wow. Is what she told me. Yeah. That's such a long time to be I alive. Know, and when I went to the hospital, she went, you, uh, uh, I'm looking at you now and I don't know how you're alive. Not to mention not in a coma is what she told me. And I was just like, word. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I went to the doctors. They just, I don't know. They missed it. It's really interesting. And I want, and I, I mentioned this to Rob because your demographic to me typically would get the right kind of attention from a doctor, like would look at you and be like, okay, slender, white woman, athletic, healthy, let's figure this out. But somehow it still got like, nope, nope, ignored. And so like, to me, like I was already mind blown by the inefficiency of physicians and, you know, we have great doctors, but there are some terrible ones, but then hearing it, from you, like I've never heard someone from your demographic have that type of misdiagnosis. So it is mind boggling. Like I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it was shocking to me too. The, like a college nurse diagnosed me more than my MDs. You know what I mean? Like she probably saved my life for all I know. So potentially, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think that's something that you realize as you get older a little bit too, is that I think, especially when we're young or we like, anyone in authority position, we sort of just assume they are, are qualified or they're good. Like we, I think as, as humans, we think of the best possible outcome, like as where we start from. Um, and we sort of develop a healthy skepticism, like throughout our lives, obviously. And so, you know, like Eritrea said, like there are some, there are great doctors and there that also, because there are great doctors, we know that there are also not great doctors. And so, um, and also, you know, have you ever had a bad day? I have. Uh, and if you are having a bad day and somebody really needs you and you're not on your game, uh, you might not help them. And that's, you know, I think for people who are, uh, medical practitioners, like that's, that's just a tough burden that they deal with, uh, because us, we're, we're just one of 20 people, maybe more that they see that day. 
and they just might miss something. They might just be distracted. They may have just like, you know, had a bad text from their significant other and like have to go yeah. into a meeting and not, you know, not do well, or maybe they're feeling bad, you know, one or the other. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I think like we, we hold and we should hold our, you know, care teams to a higher standard. Um, but we sometimes also got to remember that they're people. And, uh, you know, so shout out to that college nurse who was able to say, Hey, you need to like get to yeah. the endocrinologist ASAP. Yeah. And all the more reason too to like talk about the symptoms online, because like there could be some random mom scrolling through Instagram and see it. And for all, you know, like could end up saving her child's life because she saw it or, or she's like, you know, I remember something about weight loss and urination. Let me look it up. And then, you know, it's right there. The information's right there. And brings your daughter or son to the hospital and boom. So, yeah. yep. so um, the, the one thing I, I wanted, or the second thing, like I said, as I kind of like waywardly work my way back around <laughs> to this point was that the first time I ever talked openly about diabetes was in a college classroom. Um, and uh, the professor had like given an example about something and he, and, and he was like, does anybody does this resonate with anyone? I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, this is a lot like my diabetes. And like, I was in a small class. Uh, I went to an awesome university, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, uh, shout out. Uh, like it was, there was probably 40 people in my class. And so like everybody basically knew me and they were like, wait, they knew me as this athlete and like basketball player and like guy that was seen around and never once did they consider that I might've had diabetes in that moment. And one of my classmates that I knew around that came up to me and, and shared a story about his nephew who had type one. And that was the first time I realized that sharing that publicly with people would get a different response than I had originally thought. So how, did you have any like fears about sharing your diabetes with even your like friends and family early on? Or like, how did, how did you become more out, so to speak with your diabetes? Right. So um, my family I talked with immediately. I'm close. I have an older brother, older sister. We're really close. We have like a group chat every day. Like they knew everything that was going on. Um, my, since I was diagnosed older, my parents understand some things, but since they were never my primary caretaker, like some children, they're not a hundred percent. Um, you know what I mean? Like they still even get a little bit confused the difference between my pump and a CGM, but like sure. they're trying. Um, but yeah, in college, like I only told like my roommate right away, just because like she was seeing me getting really sick. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it was a really hard change. My, when my blood sugar dropped to a normal level for the first time, it felt like my blood sugar was like minus 400 and I thought I was dying and like called my doctor and I was like, what's happening? And she's like, you're going to have to stick it out. And I was like, great. So I felt really sick for days. So I had to tell my roommate and then the roommates across the hall, like I explained and they understood and they were nice. Um, it's not like every class I went to, I went, you know, stood in front of the class and went like, Hey everybody, I'm diabetic. Like I didn't do any of that. Um, but some of my smaller classes, like you mentioned, I did now you think 40 small. I had classes of like 15 because I was taking like very high level, like quantum mechanics and math. So not a lot of us on campus. And those people out sort of like after time come out and be like, you know, I know you guys see me pressing on this thing every once in a while. Have you ever been interested in knowing what the heck this is? It's not a 1995 iPod, you know, it's, it's, it's an insulin pump. Everyone seems to think it's an iPod. Um, work was a little different. I, I told my, my boss at first, um, and he's very, <clears throat> He's definitely boomerang age, like you mentioned. So he thought like, okay, I can't tell anyone. Like, this is your thing. It's secret. Right. I, thanks for telling me, but we won't tell anyone. Um, and then when it started to become more public was when I wore my CGM on the air that day. 
Uh, and now everyone at work knows um, I'm type one. And on top of that, they all know how to give me back, see me in case I pass. There's literally a spot in the first aid kit at work for me. And I have a little sign that says, if Kelly is unconscious, use this. Start here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So it's really funny. So everyone knows what it is. I literally just tell people like, Hey, if I'm unconscious, it's 99.99% probably low blood sugar and, you know, put this up my nose, call 911. So, um, I don't have to worry. And it's nice because now I don't have to worry about it. Like if people see me, like if I go low during a commercial break or in between my weather hits and I'm like, you know, bent over my desk, people know, like, it's serious. You know, they know I'm not just like, Oh, you know, I didn't sleep well last night or, you know, I have a headache or they know it's like, Kelly, are you okay? Like, do you need something? Do you need five minutes? Like, um, so that's been really nice too, because obviously live TV, low blood sugar, there can be some issues. Um, so well, like, I definitely like, so it's, sorry for, for cutting you <laughs> off there. Cause I definitely want to talk about live TV. Like there's the risk of going low. Right. And we, we've, we've yeah. talked to other performers. We recently had a musician on, we've talked to athletes about going low or high, like when you're on the air mm -hmm. uh, and like when, when the spotlight is on. Uh, so the first, the first question I have before we get into that is like your best, your best scheme. Like, have you ever had to use it? Have you ever used your nasal glucagon? I have not. Okay. I haven't. Um, I've never used any glucagon, actually. I remember I followed you one day when you said you just felt like trying it out, the needle one, and yeah. you said it was it was okay. Yeah, I had that, but now I have the vaccine, and I've heard don't use it unless you're actually unconscious because I've heard it's, it's horrible. I heard it's a little intense, but yeah, I've, I've never used that. But yeah, I used glucagon for the first time last year. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, it worked. And, and I think Eritrea now is, is using it, has used it as well because I used I it to practice too. It was fun. Really? So I mean, we were, are we bad people for this? Rob? No, well, I didn't like practice, but I like, I, you know, I was like, is this the moment where I use it? I was like pretty low and I, you know, wanted to use it and it yeah. you wanted to eat your wings. I'll never I did. forget I the had, story. I had, yeah. I had, I had wings coming. I like, I had wings like deliver, like on my delivery app, like they were going to show up. And I was like, well, if I eat 50 gummy bears right now, I'm not going to like, it's going to ruin my dinner. Yes. Yeah. So I think, I think I had something similar where I was like, like 162 arrows down and like my sensor ran out as like my last sensor. And I was like, you know what? If Rob, Howe can do this, I can yeah. do this shit. And I just like stabbed myself with the G book and was like, we're going to ride this out. Was this the old school one that you have to like mix together? It wasn't. No. Okay. It's so fancy. I, That's I feel, I, I feel like I have the Louis Vuitton of glucagon. I feel <laughs> extremely Tesla about this. Okay. So it's like this little pen thing that you just boop and that's it. And that's it. It doesn't even hurt that bad. Yeah. It doesn't I, even I, hurt that bad. I just think it's so important to hear people talk about glucagon in a way. Cause like, you're talking about the red kit, right? Like the old, yes. the original, yeah. the OG Lily kit where like, you gotta, it's like heroin. You gotta like squirt the needle. And, like it's got the, the solution. Yeah. You gotta put it in the, the vial, shake it, like pull it out. And like, now we have like the Gvoke, the Gvoke hypo pen that you could just like jab in there, like real simple. And then you got the Baskimi where it's like inhalable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I think if you're out there listening, uh, glucagon is really important to have around for people who take insulin. That's just, we have fun. options. There and, are options out there for us and, and figure out which one works for you. And severe yeah. low blood sugar is scary. Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, having something in, in your back pocket, having a sign for your coworkers, if Kelly's unconscious, start here. 
like that is so important and such such a good thing well, to practice people who aren't you know used to diabetes they know something's wrong with me they're freaking out they're not thinking clearly they're going to look in the first aid kit they're going to be throwing everything around panicking you know and if you put a sign just a giant sign that says hey spray this up your nose it's not that hard whereas the glucagon kit like that is so intimidating what are the chances someone doesn't mix it properly and injects you and it doesn't work you know what yeah. i mean like it's it's super intimidating and there's one time I was with my um, fiance before I got vaccine and I had the red kit you were telling me about and I was trying to teach him how to do it. And then it's like, yes, so I do this and mix it together, wait for it to be clear. And then I put it back in the needle to give it to you. And I was like, I didn't even know that. Like, wait, like, wait. <laughs> You're supposed to wait? I didn't know that either. You're supposed to <laughs> wait for it to clear out and be clear color. I didn't know, but I was so touched that he looked it up and knew this. And I was like, oh my gosh, you, you like, Look that up. I have no idea, but he knew and more he about put, it. And he put a ring on it. So, I mean, good thing. <laughs> that. that whole, we're going to get to the conversation about that, man, because it's on my list of things to talk about because he is a winner. Like that dude. <laughs> gotta be a winner but also you're absolutely right about the glucagon thing the whole thing itself is intimidating even the the, the cap that goes on the needle have you guys ever looked at it it's like oh. huge and gray it looks it, it anyway whatever sorry i remember there my you parents go. my parents having conversations with my dumb bros at like we were 16 and they were like okay if robert passes out like you idiots are gonna have to be responsible for him and it's like <laughs> not right, you idiots great like <laughs> great yeah. no for real but uh yeah anyway I, i'm glad we had this discussion about glucagon i think it's really important to normalize with it uh continue to have those open discussions about people actually using it because it was almost 18 you know 17 years with diabetes before i used glucagon for the well I have, I have a question for kelly did you yeah. feel like your relationship with your coworkers changed after you were a little bit more open about like your diabetes and stuff like did you make more friends this way? Did it like change the culture of the conversation around chronic illness and disabilities there for you? It, it did, yeah. Um, this is, might sound weird, but they had like a whole new, um, I don't want to not sound humble, but they have this whole new like respect for me. Like they for a bit did not realize how much I was going through in between commercial breaks, in between my weather lives, you know, throughout the entire day of a very busy career. Um, and there's also this, uh, she's, on the evening shifts. So I don't see her anymore, but I used to see her. Um, and she's a camera operator and she's type one and she hasn't told anyone at work. Um, and she saw me with my like bag one time in the break room and came to me and talked about it and was like, you know, I think this is really cool. You're open about it. She's very, you know, secretive about it. That's fine. That's totally her. Um, that's cool. I get it. So, but yeah, like my, now my co-maker who he's in his fifties and he's like a very like fatherly figure now, like are you okay? How are you doing? Like, do you need anything? And so they like, they're starting to really understand like just how much of a struggle it can actually be to like have so many things like hidden in the background and people not realizing how much you're doing, you know, while you're working a career. So. Well, I, mean, I can't it, imagine it, how it scary it was for you. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, I mean, <laughs> but like you're talking about it, like it's invisible. Most people don't see it. Like, unless you have devices. Yeah. You know, some people still, you know, just do multiple day, daily injections and finger pricks. And like, you can keep that really secret mm -hmm. uh, and it can be very invisible and it's a heavy burden. Um, I think there's a lot, you know, like you said, it's everybody's choice and everybody's own journey, whether they share it or not. But what I have found, and it seems like you have found as well, is like when you are more open about it, you have, you find allies to share the burden with and just people mm -hmm. who are, you know, give you an extra beat, uh, and, you know, ask how you are and like, give you, like you said, respect and just understanding of what you go through on a daily, weekly, you know, hourly basis. 
Yeah. It also makes it easier, you know, like getting help makes everything better. No matter what medical thing you're dealing with, mental health, your thing you're dealing with, having help with people uh, from people is, is huge. So totally. So we were talking about low blood sugars. You're on the air. Do you have a story for us of like when you're on air and, sure. you know, and you got that low blood sugar, get those sweats. Yeah. So this is the number one thing I get asked by anyone who, you know, talks to me in my DMs about diabetes. It's like, you're on live TV. What do you do with your blood sugars low? Well, my biggest thing that I try to do is prevention, which obviously I'm sure that's what all of us try to do. Uh, but I have a few tricks up my sleeve. I set my CGM low level a little bit higher, um, just to 80 rather than like 65. Um, and then I have alert before low on. So if I'm like even a hundred, but if I have two arrows down, you know, I have time to treat it. So that has been, that has eliminated, you know, like probably 95% of what would have been severe low lows on air. Um, and then right behind me at my desk, I have this giant bag of Welch's <laughs> fruit snacks, just right there, ready to go. Um, but obviously, as you guys know, sometimes it takes a minute to kick in or sometimes, you know, it takes five bags of fruit for, you know, for whatever reason, it's stubborn and not going up. Um, but since I've been open with like my director, my producer, the anchors, if I absolutely need to, this actually happens in on news all the time, I can push my, I call them weather hits. It's just the time that I'm on the air talking about the weather. I can push them off a few minutes and it's not a huge deal because um, when we have live reporters in the field, there are all sorts of reasons why they may miss their slot and need to be pushed down. So it's a very normal thing to rearrange the newscast. So it's not uh, a huge deal to be like, Hey, like, I don't want people to think I'm drunk on the air because you know, I'm in the fifties. Like, can we push this like five minutes at least um, and try to get through it. So that's I'm going to make I a have. terrible joke. We want the, we want that weather in the fifties. We don't want the blood sugar. in the 50s. You know <laughs> That's a new one. Okay. That's a new one. I have to say, um, I have done the weather. I think the lowest I went on the air, I was 52 and I did it. Didn't feel great. You know, I, it was awful. And I was like horrendously shaking, but you know, I can't really see it on TV because I'm kind of like far away. Um, you may have been able to hear shakiness in my voice a bit, but I probably, people probably just thought I was like tired or something. Um, for most people, it wasn't noticeable, but that wasn't great. I don't want to have to do that often, obviously. Sure. Um, but with my CGM, with my low alert a little bit higher and the suspend before low alert well before low things, um, that has taken care of most of it. And that has been huge. There have been days where like my CGM say it expired and I didn't feel like changing it or something. Those are the days that I get those lows because it's like, I didn't have this thing warning me and you don't realize how important it is until you go a day without a CGM. Man, no All kidding, day, man. You've talked about your technology a little bit. You, uh, it sounds like you wear a Medtronic pump. Yes. Nice. 770G. We're, oh, so you're on 770G? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So we were, like we were talking about like auto mode, uh, before like, uh, and, and I did uh, my latest YouTube videos on auto mode. Mm -hmm. You love auto mode is what I hear. Yeah. I liked it. Me, so my, uh, yeah, my diabetes nurse warned me that it takes a bit for the computer to understand your levels. And she was like, you know, for some people it's a few weeks for some people it could be two to three months, but the doctor gets that, you know, they understand that. And it, it will take some time, but it'll get there. Um, so, and it did take a little bit of time. Like there was at the beginning where 
you know, it was afraid to give me too much insulin and I would just stay high for a bit. But like now that it knows me, it knows my body. I wake up at 120 within a 10 point range, probably 95% of the mornings that I wake up. And that's really nice because if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I wake up at 1.30 in the morning. I go to bed at 5.30 at night. In the summer, that's, yeah, I know. I feel the same way about it. The summer when it's sunny outside and kids are laughing and playing and the birds are chirping, it's not always easy. So to get good sleep is especially important for me and to reduce the frequency and severity of lows at nighttime, which auto mode does for me was huge and life-changing because I'm sure you guys know exactly how it can feel to have multiple nights, you know, bad nights of lows. And by the fourth day, you're like, I'm so burnt out. This is impossible. And I can't really have bad days like that on TV. Like I have to look like I'm hundred percent every day. I don't really have a choice. So getting good sleep at night has been the number one biggest difference I noticed since the Medtronic Automode. That that's one thing I think I even take for granted is like waking up in range. Uh, I just forget how much of a crapshoot it used to be like high or low, you know, you'd wake up and without, you know, without a CGM alerting you or without something like helping you out through the night. And yeah, I think I'm, I'm about the same way, probably nine, eight, nine days out of 10, I wake up right in range, right where I need to be ready to start the day, which is, is so nice. Such a huge, like life hack. Right. I feel like I need a Medtronic pump now. You guys stop it. Please, please stop the free sponsorship of the set. But no, I have the non-spawn, but like, so you said something that's really interesting. How does you, cause having diabetes, in my opinion, most people with diabetes have some type of mental health going on because it's a really taxing chronic illness to have. Yeah. So for someone who's supposed to look a hundred percent, how are you doing that other than just sleeping real good, Kelly? Cause <laughs> so to put it all out there, if I can be honest with you guys, um, I am diagnosed with depression. I, in the background deal with a lot of heavy stuff, a hundred percent. I know diabetes is the cause of that because it is my number one stressor. And I know the stats and people with diabetes are so much more likely to have depression. So I do have a doctor that I talked to about that. He's been really great helping me with medication, but my number one thing that gets me through is my fiance, to be completely honest. Uh, he's the only person in my life that 100% actually understands everything I go through. Like my blood, my sister and brother, you know, they get low blood sugar, but they don't live with me. So they don't, they don't see how often it affects me. Like they may think about it. Like, you know, oh, she has to take injections every once in a while, you know, like big whoop. Obviously that's not the case. And he, you know, we sleep in the same bed at night. So he knows I get low blood sugar. He's seen me super low. He's seen me get a cold and be super high as a result and get even, you know, sicker because when I get sick, my blood sugar runs super high. I get super insulin resistant. He's like the only one who actually gets it. And on top of that, uh, he's okay with listening to me vent about it. There was a guy that I dated for, it didn't last more than a month one time. And I told him I was like, low, didn't feel well. And he was just like, okay, like, so when are we leaving? Like, when are we walking out the door? And I was just like, nah, you don't understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So there are some people out there, not so nice, who just like, don't care. I don't know. Or just don't really realize how taxing it can be. And being together with him for a few years now, like he 
truly understands how much impacts me and he's a great listener. So it's really nice to be able to vent to someone who actually knows what I'm talking about and not to someone who like barely understands type one and is just trying to be a good listener and just like be like, oh, you're great. He can like, he like ask questions that are like very like specific to my Medtronic and everything like that. So sounds like he's a keeper. Well, yeah. okay. So while we're talking about this amazing dude, Kelly, tell Rob your schedule, like how you. Well, yeah, because you mentioned well, this, like, yeah. So that that was the. I'm glad you prompted this, Eritrea. Just we're just like living in the same brain. But um, you, earlier, you dropped this little nugget of knowledge. You wake up at 1:30 in the morning. Uh, like yeah. obviously, like you know, uh, news people and like radio DJs and like et cetera. Like yeah. you guys are, you guys have a whole day before the rest of us wake up, yeah. and you go to bed at five thirty in the afternoon. Like, how do you like your partner? Obviously, his schedule probably is not that way. Like, how how do you guys yeah. handle that? So what's funny is his job right now is actually the complete opposite of mine, but it's so opposite that it actually works. When I wake up for work. He just got home from work two hours ago and he's just chilling. So we hang out for like, you know, an hour and a half while I'm getting ready for work. And it's really nice to wake up at 1.30 and have someone to talk to because he helps wake you up. You know, obviously he's like my favorite person. So it's really a good way to like start my day. Um, so it actually works for us. We literally hang out, but just like opposite times. Like I'll say, we'll be talking about our plans for the day. And I'm like, oh, I have to do this today. And he, and he means, wait, you mean tomorrow? And we're like, Thursday because like it's my today it's his tomorrow like that's how opposite our schedules are um but it works out and then I get home at one o'clock he's still at home getting ready for work and then he leaves for work at two o'clock and that's when I'm like you know settling down for the night that night and uh <laughs> getting everything so it works out it works out he did just get a remote job uh, working from home that is going to be nine to five that's going to change things a little bit um but since he's at home you know, we can make it work because I get home at one o'clock. So I'll still be able to see him. It'll just be like, I won't be able to see him as often at one thirty in the morning, which I kind of liked, but you know, yeah, that's like we can do like a like late lunch. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really strange. It's, we make it work though. It's so funny, but yeah. That was like my favorite thing about our entire conversation when I met Kelly and she was like, this is what me and my fiance do. And I was just like, I don't yeah. wake up at 1 30 in the morning and I still make my man wake up with me. So right here, girl, <laughs> you and me, the same person. I mean, that early morning hangout time, like I think every girl does this, but it's like something to do while you're getting ready is clutch, yeah. especially if that's the time that you get to see your partner. Like what an awesome time to be like, what's up, homie? What's up with yeah. you? Yeah. Especially when it's also pitch black when I wake up in the morning, it's so hard to wake up when it is so dark outside like you don't feel like you're awake you don't speak to anyone so your brain's not like fully awake so it's just nice because like having conversation with him like it literally wakes me up and not just puts me in a good mood but it literally like wakes me up and get me gets me ready for the day and waking up in the dark and just having no one to talk to is like kind of sad I didn't like that's, it that that's much. tough that's lonely yeah. I mean like I mean, yeah, like that's when you're like waking up and especially if you're, I feel like, you know, I don't let me put words in your mouth, but when you're like single, you wake up at one 30 in the morning, you have like texts to respond to that people were like, you know, and they're asleep, you know? So it's like, it's just a really weird, like kind of in between time. And I was thinking even when you were talking about depression, like, like seasonal affective disorder, just from waking up, like when it's dark and like not yeah. getting light. And especially in the winter time when like, it doesn't get light for like four or five mm -hmm. hours. 
What was especially hard was I just started doing weekdays uh, about nine months ago, but I did weekend mornings for a while. And that's a little bit later, but still 2 a.m. But I would wake up and look on Instagram and see my friends like actively like at the club and like at the bar and they're like still out. And I'm just like, wow. Like, what's that like? <laughs> it was really hard, but like at the same time, I love my job. So like, it's all worth it. But like, you know, being in my twenties and seeing that I was like, I felt like I was missing out on so much. Um, obviously that's changed a lot since being on weekdays. It's, it takes a little bit of a change to get on normal schedule on weekends. What I do is like Friday afternoons, I just like go into like a mini coma for like five or six hours. And then I try to get onto a normal schedule for the weekend. But yeah, waking up at 2 a.m. on the weekends when you have friends in your 20s was like. That was, was going to be my next question is like, how do you take a day off? Like what day does Kelly Reardon, news weather lady, turn <laughs> off and just get to be Kelly and chill? Because like I struggle with anxiety and depression. And I am very extroverted and I love talking to people and all my followers are my friends and all that. But there's definitely these days where I don't want to fucking talk to anybody. And I just want to like not even turn TV on, just like stare at the wall because my brain is just so full. So like, how do you balance that with also being Kelly? Because you are so sweet and so nice and awesome. (laughs) Um, So to be completely honest, I try to do that at least once a week. I know that might sound like a lot to some people. But given all the stress that we go through during the week, like if I don't have that one day, I feel like I like never can fully decompress and the stress just like keeps building and keeps building. And what's really nice is my fiance who I live with, it's just us two, he also gets that. So he doesn't like judge me for it. You know, there'd be a lot of people out there like, come on, like, let's go do something adventurous. And I like had a really bad day before blood sugars. I'm like, I just don't want to leave this couch right now. And he gets it. And he chills with me. We play video games together. He's great. <laughs> he really understands it. But yeah, I try to at least once a week, just like literally shut out the world, which I know might sound counterintuitive, but like you need rest, you know, sleeping is not enough. You need to be awake and also rest and chill. Well, I think too, and this is a great transition, not to pat myself on the back, but uh, <laughs> like when you're a public figure, like you're, you're seen, you have to be in front of people performing on a regular basis, not just in your career, but also like, you know, on, on social media, like, which is part of your job as well, just continuing to build your, build your brand and, and, and create, you know, content for the station, I assume as part of your job as well. So like, you need that break. You need, you need time to like, just be a person and sit down. And I think that's something that to give my wife a shout out. Like I, I was not a, I was a person who's very active and like would didn't really consider myself a homebody at all prior Mm -hmm. to meeting her. And then definitely in 2020, like being at home all the time and like having to adjust to that kind of lifestyle was very new for me, but I like it. It's actually really great. So uh, it's hard now, like trying to get people like going back to to normal, quote unquote, or like traveling a lot and like having a demanding schedule, like just remembering like, oh, like I don't have to do this. I can just, you know, pause, take a breather, take a step back, create a little space for myself. But this is, this is the transition I was looking for. Uh, so because you're out there, because you're a public figure, Uh, I've seen you create some content about some of the messages that you get and some of the (laughs) comments that people say. Uh, So what is it like to be a woman, a public figure in front of the world on a regular basis and be an attractive woman uh, with- uh, Wait, wait, can I say it? Can I say the thing? To be a bad bitch on TV. Cause that's what she is, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get it twisted. (laughs) Kelly Reardon, fine with a capital F. 
It, okay. it sounds better when you say it, but yes, it, it, like, yeah, that exact, that <laughs> You're exact welcome. Thing. You're welcome. It's, it's interesting. Like in the beginning, when I first started, like I was new, so I didn't like get that many um, messages, but now my DM Instagram, I don't know if you know this, but the amount of DM requests maxes out at 99 plus. It just says, I do know that. Plus after that, <laughs> and I've reached, reached that for quite some time now. Um, and I'll occasionally look through them. I don't accept them. So they don't know I looked at it, which is a great feature. Go Instagram. That's fabulous. But like, wow, the amount of weather jokes, inappropriate weather jokes also. Um, and recently, since I've been posting a teeny bit more about diabetes, like diabetes jokes, like, Ooh, you must be sweet. You know, let's go out. I like you so much. Like, you know, you must be the sweetest person or sweet, like candy. And I'm just like, Oh my God. <laughs> Will you be my sugar mama looking at yeah. what a bunch of lamos? I can just, I can, I have so many, like, I'm not even a man and I can make so many stupid jokes. The bar is set so low for these people. But anyway, yeah. anyway, ah, to they're be awesome. in Kelly's DMs, I cannot imagine. They're really funny. <laughs> if you want me to sample like one or two. Oh my God, please. Oh yes. my gosh. Yeah. You have to do oh, it. Now boy. you have to. Um, oh, I get proposed to quite often. Man, people uh, go zero to a hundred there. Wow. Yeah, and not even like a little bit. Like I'm this really nice guy. Have a good amount of money. I'm living here. I would love to have your hand. You know, not just like a, ooh, like I like you want to marry you type of thing. Not like a fake Nigerian prince. These are like legitimate dudes who are like Kelly okay. Reardon. Please, yeah, not a good one. All right, uh, it's hot, hot, hot up in here. High humidity and temperatures running above one hundred but not from COVID-19, but because you've been running through my mind all day. He said, are you tired, girl? <laughs> he said, are you tired? Come get off your feet. I can't yeah. stand it. Yeah, and what's my favorite are the guys who talk to themselves, but it's been like a year and a half. It's and like day one of trying to get your attention yeah, like okay. that. Oh I my God. See, but just watch. <laughs> i've never responded to this guy it's still going it's yeah wow. yeah that I was at least it. like 20 full screen scrolls i mean but you're just like working in so many niches like we've got weather lady we've got chronically ill we've got the glasses <laughs> like the sexy librarian thing like it's just I so much for yeah. morning television weather like do you understand you're running you're you got these men unhinged. Like <laughs> it's, This is top of mind for me right now because our, our good friend of the pod, uh, T1D Dan, posted this on his Instagram this afternoon. So at time of publishing, this is a couple of weeks ago, but it was the Denzel from Malcolm X meme where Denzel says, oh, that brother's starving. <laughs> and, and that's how I feel with those, those guys in your DMs. Those brothers are starving. They're out there. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> and it's not even the DMs. Have so you read the comments? Some of them have no shame and just do it right in the comments. Like they don't care. <laughs> wow. This is, uh, so, this has been what it's like to be a woman on the internet in 2021. Yeah. It's been TLDR. a millionaire <laughs> if I sold my feet pictures by now. I'm a millionaire. <laughs> I say that all the time, but TLDR, it sounds like having a good partner is the consensus here. I can't wait for you to join the married people club because then you can use that excuse all the time. Cause I think that's what Rob was talking about. He's like, I get to be a homebody now. It's like, I blame shit on Hassan all the time. It's like, Oh, he wants us to stay home tonight. It's like, really? 
he's not even here. I just like don't want to go. So like being part of the married club is the best club to be in. I can't wait for you to join. Even the fiance stage is fun. Three months. We're getting there. Fiance. So I'll actually give you a piece of advice uh, since we've shifted away from diabetes that I got from one of the diabetes health coach gurus, uh, Matt Vandevecht. When Erica and I got engaged, he was here in town uh, and we did like a little meetup and this was pre-COVID and he goes, Hey, enjoy fiance while you can. He's like, if I have one regret it's that I didn't use it enough and now I can never use it again. So uh, <laughs> you got three more months of using fiance, uh, you know, apply liberally. Yeah, I will. What's funny is it took me like a month to actually say fiance. I would be like my, bo- oh, my fiance, you know, like I, it, I was so used to saying my boyfriend that took a lot of time when we get married, it's probably going to take me another nope. month. It's not, you know why? Because being like my husband carries weight, baby. Yeah, it's like I can't, I can't because my husband. I was like, I saw some, somebody at work was like, oh yeah, Musa don't need this job because she got a husband. I was like, you're right about that. So it's like something about having a husband. I know it's lame and so like internalized misogyny that men elevate our value because that's not true. But it is nice. It's a nice flex. You think like, it's nice. Ring. You think it's nice, but you've never had the pleasure of being like my wife, like Borat, and that's like that. I mean, that's just incredible. It's an incredible feeling of validation. I know Bob um, started doing it right away. Didn't you? Like after you got married, you were like my wife, my wife. Yeah, I, was I was ready. Like, okay. I, I was ready. I had a, I had them in the chamber. I was ready to get like get them get them my wife uses off. Um, okay, back on the topic. This has been delightful uh, and an, an awesome conversation with you, Kelly. Thank you so much. Uh, I do want to ask you though, like if you were going to go back uh, and tell your recently diagnosed self uh, one thing about, you know, what your life with diabetes is going to be like, what would you tell yourself? Uh, It's going to be okay. And you can eat carbs. (laughs) You can eat them, eat the carbs, (laughs) just count everything and you'll be fine. At first, I literally thought I had to like go on keto and thought that was like completely necessary. Um, and some people do that. That's cool. Again, I'm all for it. Um, but there are ways to still like eat like a normal human being and still be in good control. Um, and at first I thought I would not be able to eat anything normal and be a normal person. And that's probably was the hardest thing for me was I was like, Oh, I'm going to have this permanently changed diet for the rest of my life. And now like I, you know, I eat anything I want. So I would just tell myself it's cool and you can have a piece of cake. It's all right. Yeah. As you should, as you should, period. Carbs are good. And I don't know why people have this carb fear. It's just intense and unnecessary. So yeah, I agree. Well, with and, you know, I, I, yeah, just pre-bolus, you know, just pre-bolus, count it. Like it'll be okay. Especially with mode, it helps reduce, you know, the high if you discount a little bit. So, well, and I think too, it's just a lot of that is internalized. A lot of that is societal, you know, like I think even outside of diabetes, carbs get a bad rap. Um, and you know, I think the other thing is like, we're just not, we don't know that much about the human body as a collective society. I think we're what, like 2% of what's going on in there for the most yeah. part. So right. we're learning all the time. And like you said, you know, whether it's keto or it's like, you know, fully plant-based or whatever the case may be, like if it, if it works for you, uh, keep working it and, yeah. and, you know, and still have that, sli- that slice of pizza or Chinese mm-hmm. food or all those other like really difficult diabetes foods to, <laughs> to count carbs for. Uh, and just know that, like you said, there's more technology, there's more medicine innovation coming out every day. And uh, even though we haven't gotten to a cure yet, I, I do feel like people who are diagnosed with diabetes today have it a lot better than people who were diagnosed like us. Um, and that gives me a lot of hope for, for future generations. So 
Um, anyway. Absolutely. Kelly, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, you are awesome. Like as advertised, like you're, you're just the best. So thank you so thank much you. For, for taking the time with us. Her uh, takeover is coming up, guys. So when this episode hits, um, her takeover will be coming up November 8th. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Follow her on Instagram. Uh, Kelly, what is your Instagram? Give us your handle. Kelly R. Weather. Yes. <laughs> and the takeover will be starting early in the morning. So I better get That's, those credentials the day before. <laughs> it's Yes, yeah. you're going to get them on Friday night. No problem. But thank you so much for being here. You are amazing. I can't wait to see you show us fits on fits on fits. Um, yeah. Don't miss out on Kelly's content.